Before we get started, I have an important message. If you're on Medicare or about to be, you don't want to go it alone. And you don't want to just call the first guy who sends you a postcard. My husband did that, and he wound up with some bad advice that costs us a penalty each month that will never go away. So what can you do? Contact one of our member experts by going to certifiedmedicareagents.com and searching your state for an agent. You'll be able to look through our member agents and read about them. Then you can reach out to the agent or broker you select directly through the site. Now, one thing you should know is other sites who do this sell your information to 15 or more agents so you can get hundreds of unwanted phone calls. Not so with CertifiedMedicareAgents.com. You'll only be contacted by one agent, and if there is a problem, I may personally reach out to you, but generally you will only hear from the one agent you select. So head on over there right now before you forget and find a qualified and certified agent that can help you today. Now, let's start our program. Welcome back to the Rock Your Retirement Show. I'm your host, Kathy Klein, and today is part three of our uh, series on pain, and my husband, Les, is joining us. Say hello, Les. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Those of you who are listening to the podcast can't see, but he's wearing his cow hat with his headset on over Sign his cow hat. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so we are going to be in our third episode on pain today. We're going to be talking about the pills that you can take to help relieve your pain. But before we start, I wanted to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Medicare Quick. Now, I'm not going to be promoting the guide this time. I'm going to be promoting the classes. So we have about 30 classes that you can take on Medicare. These are for people who are either already on Medicare or they're new to Medicare. And you can get the very first class free. This is called Making Medicare Decisions. And then for the rest of the classes, you do have to put in your email address. So to get that first free class, go to medicarequick.com forward slash class, C-L-A-S-S, and you can watch the very first class, which is called Making Medicare Decisions, and then if you want to watch the rest of the classes, you'll just need to enter your email address, and don't worry, I won't spam you, and if you do want to be contacted at the end of taking your classes, it'll be somebody from my office. We don't sell your information to, you know, 20 different insurance agents like some companies do. So, thank you so much, Les, for co-hosting once again today's episode on pain. Uh, happy to be here. Thank you. Now, for those of you who didn't hear the first two episodes, the first one just sort of introduced the subject. Um, Les has been going through a little bit of pain lately because of his cancer, nothing that he can't handle. Um, and then the second episode talked about what you can do that doesn't have anything to do with pay taking a pill. And then this episode is not going to be, you know, we're going to be talking about natural things that you can take 
And then next week, I believe we're going to be talking about surgery and steroids. So Les, is that what was on your agenda as well? Yep, that's true. Okay, great. So one thing that I've always heard and I have tried to subscribe to is that when you are taking any kind of medication, that you should start with the lowest dose possible to alleviate your pain and not jump into a large dose of something. So for example, if a, uh, if a ibuprofen can take care of your pain, you shouldn't jump to Percocet. Is that sort of how the article, the part three of this article started out? Well, yeah, but even more than that is if you start with uh, ibuprofen, for instance, the 200 milligrams is per pill usually. The doctor will prescribe 800 milligrams. You should start with the 200. If the 200 does it, that's what you should live with. And uh, I usually take 200 or 400 and never take 800. Right. But uh, in any case, the, our, this section of the article starts out by saying that the goal of pills, patches, and creams is to take the pain down a couple of notches. Right, not eliminate allow, it completely. Right, to allow for exercise, work, and socializing. Right, because and, when you can take the pain down, then you can ex do the movement that we talked about last week. Yep. And the combination can help you actually improve over time. That's right. So that's what it, the intent, the goal is of taking these things. So to go overboard is not good for you, number one, because it doesn't all take your pain away. And, and ultimately, it may take the pain away, but, but uh, it's going to, over time, not work as well. Well, look at what this said. It said, in the best case scenario, one third of people taking any single drug will only reduce their pain level by half. Right. Most get far less relief. That's right. So I thought that well, was interesting because I have a lot of friends that are taking pain pills. Well, yeah. I mean, the typical doctor is going to just prescribe pain pills. You know, that's, that's what, what uh, it is because a typical doctor is not necessarily trained on chronic pain. Mm -hmm. they, what did we say in the first episode? One in, there's one doctor for every 28,500 people or that, something like that's that. That's right. They're, they're trained in, in chronic pain. And chronic pain is not helped by the short-term uh, drugs that are being prescribed. So you have to, you have to take that into account. Well, and, I don't know about you, but you know, I just want to take a pill. I don't want to have to exercise. I don't want to have to, you know, do yoga. I don't, of course. I don't want to yeah. have to meditate. Yeah, right. <laughs> you don't have to, yeah, you don't want to have to even try out some of these things, you know, because stretching can be painful as an example. And yet stretching oftentimes is the solution to a lot of the pain. We're talking about pills this time and we're talking about the ones that are prescribed and some that are not necessarily prescribed that can be helpful. And uh, that falls into the category of supplements. Right. Well, I found it interesting that they started out the whole supplement discussion by saying there's no solid data supporting most pain relief su supplements. You're right. I can tell you from personal 
personal situation that when I'm taking glucosamine chondroitin combination, I feel less pain. Yeah. And the next thing that they talk about is marijuana. A lot of people feel a lot less pain with uh, taking marijuana. And so the problem is the drug industry is not funding uh, trials on, on supplements because they want to sell their drugs. Right. That's and how why- are they going to, how are they going to um, get a patent on fish oil? Right. Exactly. <laughs> you can't. So what are supplement, what are some of these supplements supposed to do? And uh, one of them is fish oil that Kathy just mentioned that apparently uh, helps to reduce inflammation. So we talked about inflammation type pain and pain that's neuro- neurological. Uh, so if you're having the, the type that's caused by inflammation, you might want to try fish oil. Mm-hmm. Another one links vitamin uh, B and D to, if you have deficiencies in these vitamins, that certain types of pain are going to be worse. So So does that mean I just need to go outside more because that's how I get my vitamin D? Yes, yes, get your vitamin D outside. Lay on that brand new uh, Lanai David David thing we got for the outside. Yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah, you know, one of the other things I found interesting is that these drugs work a little bit differently. You know, that the ibuprofen, you know, the Aleve, those kind of things, they actually reduce swelling. Whereas acetaminophen, which is Tylenol, it just makes you think that you're not feeling pain. (laughs) Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what this article talks about. And that was new to me too. But but I know from my personal experience that ibuprofen ibuprofen works better than acetaminophen for most of my pain. Headache pain, though, definitely, I think uh, acetaminophen for me works better than ibuprofen for headache pain. So, you know, it really depends on what the kind of pain it is, I guess. So if it's in your head, take a... Yeah, (laughs) that's my... That may be why they're saying... (laughs) If the pain's in your head, take a Tylenol because it just makes you think that you're not having a headache. I don't know. But the, I didn't the, say that, obviously, to the listener. We're, we're making light of this situation. So yeah, that's right. laughter is the best medicine, right? That's what they yeah, say. That's it. Um, yeah. so, so, so they're saying, saying that these, these pain relievers, acetaminophen and, and uh, ibuprofen, are good for muscle and joint pain, but they don't seem to be very effective against nerve pain. Right, and that's the kind of pain that you have. Yeah, that's right. right. And, and uh, it's also the same type of pain that people with shingles have. And, you know, it's interesting because I, have, I know so many people that have gotten shingles in 2019. And when I was trying to get my shingles vaccination, because I'm old enough to get it, and I had chicken pox, twice as a child. It didn't go away completely. And then I got it again, if I remember correctly. So I was trying to get my shingle shot because I don't want to be traveling and then come down with shingles. So I got, nobody had it in saying, you know, I was unable to get it. And then when we went to Chicago, I was able to get my first dose there. But I guess the point is, is that none of these drugs helps with shingles pain. So 
what do you do? And it seems that shingles is kind of an epidemic now. I mean, didn't the pharmacist say that there were people in their 20s getting shingles yeah, this yeah. year? And yeah. they are not allowed to get the shingles vaccine. I guess it's not healthy for them. I don't know exactly what happens, but they can't get it. And I just found it to be alarming that these 20-year-olds are coming down with shingles. I wonder if it has something to do with stress. Uh, I don't know. But uh, the, the reason that they can't get it might also be uh, supply and demand. And uh, there's not enough supply for everybody. So I got, the, I got the impression that there was a, a uh, medical reason why they weren't getting it. Uh, that's possible. That's possible. Back on uh, ibuprofen and acetaminophen, apparently some people have found that the combination of those two, actually taking both of them, has had the effect very similar to uh, what opioids might have uh, had effect. They're saying talk to your doctor before you do these kinds of combinations, but sometimes combinations do work. Right. Let's look at the side effects for these drugs. Yeah. Side effects for ibuprofen can include heart attack or stroke, stomach bleeding and kidney disease for acetaminophen liver disease. So one thing that you should know is this is not a medical show. We are not giving medical advice. We're just discussing this article that we found in Consumer Reports. Yeah, that's right. But it is the, the point of the article, of course, is that there are side effects with, with taking these drugs. And uh, uh, just like opioid side effect, of course, is uh, addiction. Of course. So, uh, be now, I like, I like the topical creams. What was that cream that, that we got? Emu. Yeah, no, I don't, like, I don't like that because they actually kill the emus. But what about the little tub that I got in, in China that they sell here too? I, I'm not it's the Chinese medicine that you put on your neck and it helps the pain go away. Yeah, well, they... Tiger they, balm. They, yeah, Tiger Bomb. Uh, they talk about that. The, the, those types of things don't actually make the pain go away as much as they make your body react to the Tiger Bomb, the, the burning sensation. Or cold. Taking, yeah, or cold. Taking away from the other pain. So it's like uh, trying to fake out the, the real pain. So it's kind of like when you go to the doctor and the doctor says where does it hurt? And you tell him and he takes a hammer and hammers you somewhere else and says, yes. and now you don't feel yeah. it anymore. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but they t the article talks about the, the fact that, uh, that there are these compounds called solicit, uh, well, solicitites or whatever. Solicicylates. Salicylates. Salicylates. And they produce a feeling of heat or cold to keep the nerves busy transmitting those sensations of pain instead of pain, you know. So uh, in any case, they can be helpful. We, I did get this stuff that uh, we bought down in Florida at a flea market that did exactly that. And it was pretty effective, actually. My back was really killing me, and I put this stuff on, and it, it, uh, it did make the pain seem to go away. And the article says that those kind of creams don't really have side effects. Right. Except for killing emus. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's a side effect. So if you're a vegan, if you're a vegan uh, or if you care about animals, don't eat, don't, don't buy that stuff. Well, there are, there are the creams that have aspirin in them. And right. 
the body just absorbed less of the aspirin than if you take took a pill. So they're they are safer in that sense. And it's probably not going to make your stomach get upset. Right. Nope. Right. That kind of thing. I found it interesting that that some doctors prescribe antidepressants for pain. That seems kind of dangerous yeah. to me. Yeah, that's they they're saying that in, in there's only one type of antidepressant that has any connection with pain. And that's this uh how do you pronounce that? I don't know. Where is it? Do loxatine or whatever. It's uh Cymbala is what uh, they sell. Oh Cymbalta. But didn't Cymbalta have like some major problems? Weren't they involved? Seems to me that someone I know was taking that and there was like some significant problems with that drug. Yeah, it sounds it sounds right to me too. They're they're just saying that that it has a side effect of the of the uh, weight gain, constipation, and suicidal thoughts. That that's it. That's it. That's what it was. It was the suicidal thoughts that was the problem. Well, isn't that interesting that an antidepressant could cause suicidal thoughts? I thought that it would cause it if you stop taking it, but it looks like it causes it while you're taking it. It just seems kind yeah. of interesting that you would that an antidepressant would cause suicidal thoughts. That doesn't seem that that doesn't seem right. I think uh, I think a much better treatment for uh, or depression is finding a bunch of friends because because we're because we are experts in depression and we yeah, yeah, have yeah, a psychology degree. <laughs> <laughs> I think depression is actually a medical condition. Less, I don't yes, think it it's, is. Yeah, it yeah, is. I don't think it's something that you can cure with with friendships. I think you know, long term yeah. depression does does require. No, you're right. You're right. So, but it is it's kind of an off label use to to have it uh, help pain. And uh, I think you'd be, have to be careful about that because of the side effects. It does say in the article that small doses can help with fibromyalgia, headache prevention, and pain due to nerve damage. So I don't know what they mean by nerve damage, but I'm guessing it's not neuropathy. No, that's. I think neuropathy is nerve damage. So you think that they might prescribe that for people who also have shingles? Maybe. I mean, because neuropathy is caused by the the chemicals that are actually attacking the nerves, and so mm -hmm. uh, you know that's 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 why I have neuropathy with uh, with the chemo and with uh, Lupron. Because the chemo caused the nerve damage in the yeah. first place. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's the case. Being a a, uh, a practicing doctor here, I'm, right? Yeah. Yes. For the listener, <laughs> please don't take anything that we say as medical advice. Please actually contact an <laughs> actual physician before you know. We're just yes. like I said, we're just discussing this article, and we are far, far from experts in this area. That's right. Um, how about the anticonvulsants? See that. That yeah. is crazy that that would help with pain. Well, as it, it, no, if you think about it, I mean, anticonvulsants are dealing with the ner uh, nervous system, right? Mm -hmm. And if you have nerve pain, I can see that, you know, something that is dealing with the nervous system in general anyway would, would have some effect. I mean. Yeah, but it doesn't know, just, help with back pain. 
No. Yeah. You know, and like the antidepressants, it can cause suicidal thoughts. Right. So, which That's is, right. I guess any of these things that are working on your nervous system can cause weird thoughts, which is strange. Yeah, it just and, tells and us how, how thin of a line there is with our mental health and how easily it can be messed up. Well, there's that and, and how much of a connection there is with our mental well-being and the rest of our body. I mean, right. you know, it's, it, there is a connection. There's no question about that. Yeah. So, so the, the anticonvulsants are Lyrica and Epitol, as an example. You see those ads on TV all the time. So strange that they advertise drugs on TV to me. It just I seems know. so weird. I know. Well, look at this. Epitol says that that uh, can cause deadly allergic reactions. So not only you have these suicidal thoughts and so but on. You could I mean, die. Yeah. Well, you 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 hear the words the that go with those. Yeah, with those ads. Yeah, but it's crazy. Yeah, it is pretty crazy. Okay, muscle relaxants. So that to me seems pretty. Yeah, I'm. I know a lot of people who take muscle relaxants for pain and I, I can understand why, because if you have a muscle that's cramped up, relaxing that muscle sure. is going to help with, with that pain, right? Yeah. When I have sciatica, which I have every once in a while, that's, you know, nerve being pinched generally. The pain is not the nerve being pinched as much as it is the muscle that is, is cramping uh, up. Yeah. So I would think that uh, a uh, muscle relaxant would be the right thing to take, but I don't. I don't like to take muscle relaxants if I don't have to. I just because well, they make they make me tired. Right, know, they make things. you groggy. They make you hard. It's hard to think. But, but I know people. I mean, when I was a teenager, I had an adult sixty-year-old friend, and you know, she she actually was my foster mother. And she was on long-term muscle relaxants. And I know people that are on long-term muscle relaxants. And this article says they only work for three weeks. Yeah. So I wonder, I wonder if they're addictive or why people are on muscle relaxants as a common daily medication. Well, the other thing that they say is that you should never take these alongside opioids. And I know of people that are doing that. Hmm. So uh, it's, you know... This kind of stuff is dangerous. You have to be careful. You have to at least exhaust some of the things we talked about in the past to try to deal with your pain before you, you go to some of these more dangerous types of treatments. Okay. Well, I certainly have an opinion on opioids. And my opinion does not have anything to do with what I do for a living. So I'm going to separate that out. But I think that the fact that Medicare is refusing to allow 90-year-old people the ability to take opioids for, you know, if you are in severe pain, I, here's how I feel about it. If you are at the end of your life and you're in severe pain and you've, I see no problem with giving somebody who's 90 Percocet. I really have no problem with it. If, if somebody who's 90 wants to have a drink, if they want to smoke a cigar, 
if they want to, and none of these things do I do. Okay. Let me just preface this. I don't smoke. I don't really drink that much. I don't take drugs, but if you're 90 years old and you're in a lot of pain, I, I don't understand why the government is limiting people to what is it like seven day supply or something like that. Yeah. They're trying to deal with this problem of over prescription of, uh, of opioids. I don't know if that's the way to do it though. I mean, I don't think it is. I don't think so. Because by the, by the time you're at a certain age, I, I don't know if you're going to get a 90-year-old to go get a massage and go to a chiropractor. And fr- quite frankly, I don't know that a 90-year-old should start chiropractic. I, I know some chiropractors which will disagree with me, but I, I just some of these things that we're talking about, they're great for people in their 60s and 70s and maybe early 80s, but by the time you get to a certain point in your life. Yeah, and you haven't been doing the movement and exercise that you should be. Are you going to be able to get the relief that you want by just being cut off of your medications that you're used to? I don't know what the answer is. Well, but the point is that that using opioids only in trying to deal with that kind of pain is not going to be a long-term solution to your problem. But if you're 90, is anything long-term? Yeah, well, that's, I mean, really let's, let's just be realistic. I mean, I mean, I know that we know people who like we had a woman in our church in San Diego who passed away recently. She was 108 years old. Yeah. But that is still a rarity. And by the time you're up in your nineties, like, are you really going to restrict people from taking the medication that's keeping at least some of their pain down? I, I don't know what the answer is. I really don't. Well, the problem with the solution that they have today is that people who really need it, make, uh, they're making it very difficult for them to get it. So, yeah. um, But what do you do? I mean, uh, in next week, we're going to talk about other alternatives to pain uh, to to this and that would be steroids and surgeries so do you want to say anything i mean i i think i've said all i can say about pills what do you have anything else to say Les? no i i think you have to take them very carefully that's the bottom line and that's how i feel and personally i i don't take them very often when i'm taking a pain pill it's because i re- like very how often would you say i take pain pills maybe three times a year once in a blue moon yeah i really don't take them that often i i do try to i think you go a little bit the other way but that's take take them more often yeah that's me personally (laughs) but uh well i probably i probably take ibuprofen uh maybe 12 times a year or something like that when i met you you were taking oh, yeah. it every day. I, oh yeah, I was. I was going through some pain. I yeah. was very concerned about you when we first met because you were taking it every day. Yeah, I don't know about every day, but I every was day I was taking too much. <laughs> I was like, "You're going to get a stomach ulcer or something from taking all of that." But you know, like the article says, everybody has to make their own decision on how they're going to treat their pain along with their physician. So thanks again for listening to this episode on pain. Next week, we're going to talk about surgeries and steroid use. And um, we'll, we'll see you next week. 
on Rock Your Retirement. 